welcome to Conversations About Life. Good morning. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so you were born and raised in Russia then? Yes, that's right. I grew up in Russia and Siberia, which is about 12 time zones away from St. Louis. Yeah. Pretty much the other end of the world from where we are now. Right. Mm-hmm. And then how old were you when you came to the United States? I was 21, so you can say that half of my life, the first half I lived in Soviet Union and Russia, and then the last 20, 22, 23 years I've lived here in the United States, in St. Louis. Okay. And did you come by yourself? Uh, no, it's a long, long story. I was married um, in Russia, and my daughter was born in Russia as well. So we came here as a family. We won a green card. I don't know if you've heard of that or not. Okay, yes. yeah. No? So was the man you married um, uh, an American then? No, he was Russian. He was Russian? Yes, from the same city we met there, um, married. It was actually his dream to come to the United States. When, oh, really? When the borders kind of fell um, during the late 1980s, early 1990s, um, many, many people in Russia were so enamored with the United States and dreamed of moving here and having a wonderful and a very different life than what they had uh, before. Okay, wow. So what about yourself? Were you excited about the United States too? I did not know what to expect. It was not my dream, (laughs) suffice to say. Um, But I loved my husband and we came here together. It was his dream. I was supportive. Okay. Um, I was too young to to know, to understand, to um, really to know what's ahead and to have any perception of of the United States versus Soviet Union or Russia. Right. Did you like the Soviet Union? Well, (laughs) it's a loaded question. I had a very happy childhood. Yeah. I had loving parents, I had a good community, um, there was no, in my, in my life there was no poverty, not much struggle economically, health-wise, uh, there was a lot of excursions into the nature, um, we went skiing with my parents over the weekends, uh, with my grandparents we went into the woods, mushroom hunting was a big part of life in Siberia. I loved my childhood. I, I have no complaints about how or where I grew up. Yeah. Um, that's all really interesting, uh, growing up in the Soviet Union. And, um, and then, you, you, I guess you left your, your parents then. And um, did you... Um, and then Siberia. When I think of Siberia, I think of cold and I think of kind of rough you know conditions and so forth sounds like you enjoyed it well it's not inaccurate depends Um, I grew up in a very urban environment there were several big universities in the city I'm from it was a very academic city and uh, sure the weather is cold 
But not unlike here, you either stay at home <laughs> most of the winter or you put a very heavy coat on boots, mittens, hats, and you venture out. Um, you just live your life. It, it's not much different. Um, again, it's a very urban environment. There are no bears on the streets. Um, there's public transport everywhere. There are tall buildings, um, not little huts. So yes, it's, it's not that much different. So what was it like coming to the United States? What were your impressions of it? Um, wow, also, heavy topic. Uh, <laughs> uh, when we first came to St. Louis, and I had not traveled to the United States to see what it's like before we moved. Uh, my now ex-husband, he, he was in um, St. Louis in 1995 uh, visiting. So he, he knew what to expect. I had no idea. And when we came to the airport and we were driving to, um, um, driving to, to, to the location where we were staying, I was looking out of the window and asking, well, where is St. Louis? Because in my mind, a city is urban, tall buildings, people walking down the street, uh, little parks here and there where grandparents take their children out for you know, a little bike ride, a little walk. And St. Louis is very decentralized, very spread out. There isn't necessarily an urban center where people can just kind of meander and, and walk around. Um, everybody drives here and to get from one place to another you do have to have a car and you cannot just walk um, people don't go just on a walk um, and that's what I was used to back in Russia so the, the style of life is quite different in that sense mm -hmm. okay um, hmm. and have you been back to Russia since then? no I have not Okay. 23 years. <laughs> 23 years. Wow. Um, any of your family members come and visit you here? Um, I have a stepmother who lives in St. Petersburg. So she has come twice. Last time it was 17 years ago. We've been talking with her on the phone and uh, or different apps, WhatsApp, you know, <laughs> video calls. And have been um, thinking that oh, we, we should get together again. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I'm hoping to see her um, sometime in the next year or year and a half. Yeah. And were you already pretty um, affluent with English? Oh, not at all. Not at no, all? <laughs> I, I know. I studied German in um, school, you know, middle school and high school. Mm -hmm. And I took one semester of extracurricular English, uh, mostly prompted by my uh, friend back in Russia who said, well, we've been studying German and the future is in English, so we should, you know, we should hustle and we should learn English. And um, a class was offered on Saturdays in our school, and so both her and I took that class. But yes, just one semester of extracurricular, I'm sorry, a um, couple of hours on Saturdays. That was all. Now, a lot of uh, people, when they come to the United States, um, they kind of get involved with a group who is already here from, you know, where they come from. Like, 
you know, there's a big um, Bosnian, you know, community, and right. and there's, I imagine there's other ethnic groups that come. And so, did you have a group to get together with when you came here? No, or we didn't. You were just by yourself. Now I do. Now, now you do. There is a big Russian community that I'm a part of, okay. and we organize our cultural gatherings and parties and celebrations. Um, but back then, 23 years ago, no, we were on our own. Okay. And I think I, I remember you saying your mom and dad were scientists mm-hmm. back home. Yeah. Yes, that's true. So in that sense, it was also very different. United States, or at least Midwest, or at least St. Louis, um, has a very strong religious culture, uh, Christianity. And where I am from... Yes, my parents were scientists. My grandparents were scientists. Um, I grew up thinking that um, religion is something that people did, had, you know, a couple of centuries back, at least, that going forward, people don't need it. And uh, because we have science. And that's the, that's the mode of thinking that I grew up with. Yeah. So, I guess, the nation... Um like the Soviet Union, Russia, mm-hmm. you know, was it, um, for the most part, pretty non-religious, like the people and so forth? Yes. Okay. It was, um, it was a national philosophy um, that was based in science. That was the steering of the, of the society in that direction. And um, that was the philosophy that was taught in schools. And... Um, a big emphasis was made on education and higher education of of the citizens of the country. Okay. So, um, okay, so you came to the United States, and then what did you do here? Well, the whole immigrant story. Um, <laughs> um, my first job was um, taking orders from a um, an alteration shop. Well, I studied I studied fashion design and fashion construction, production, clothing um, design and production back in Russia. And so when we came here, one of the obvious things uh, that I could do without knowing language was something with that hemming skirts, pants, altering clothes. So yeah. plus we had a little child and. As you may know, daycare is outrageously expensive here mm-hmm. for younger kids. And so I had to stay home with her. And that was perfect. I would pick up, um, you know, some, some articles, items, and I would alter them at home and then would take them back to the alteration shop. Okay. Yeah. And um, what are you doing now? What am I doing now? Um, I work at a big academic institution here <laughs> doing uh, research in uh, rare diseases. Okay. Um, and by the way, you know, if, you, if you're tired of me just uh, f- hammering you with questions, you know, <laughs> feel free to, um, if there's anything you want to ask me, just so it's a little bit more back and forth, you know, okay. feel free to. So it's, you know, just more like a conversation and just something to enjoy, you know. Sounds good. Well, how about, uh, what was your impression of Russia, Soviet Union? What comes to mind when you hear Soviet Union or Russia? Well, um, 
of course the the political structure so communism when mm-hmm. i th- you know i think of um the soviet union and um and then i normally think of um so these are just kind of um emotional or like just kind of uh feeling type of images i normally mm-hmm. think of cold and somber <laughs> okay. and um snow mm-hmm. um and um i think of um secular i think of you know mm-hmm. secular uh non-religious or kind of like religion but more of like uh an antique you know um like the russian orthodox church mm-hmm. but more of a museum type of thing you know mm-hmm. and um I guess you know I'm not real knowledgeable about Russia and the Soviet Union and and your history and that, but you know I when I think of the his, history th- throughout the 20th century, um, you know I think of like some rough uh, times with revolution and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So anyway, that's just not a real knowledgeable. That's just kind of the way impressions I have, I guess, when I just think about it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all live in our own bubbles. Even no matter how hard we try to learn about the rest of the world, it's just impossible to learn everything there is or has been. Um, yes, yeah. of course. So I guess I get most of my impressions from movies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're... Um, so I guess you're a scientist then, huh? If you're doing research? I'm a researcher. A researcher, okay. I work in a support role. Um, I'm not qualified to do my own um, my own research, my own ideas. Um, yes, um, it's, it, it's an expensive and a complicated um, enterprise to do research. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I, I, I make... Other researchers' dreams come true. <laughs> By doing the, the legwork, so to speak, huh? Exactly, yes. Yeah. So, you, you know, you, so St. Louis was quite different as far as, like, uh, the religious aspect of it, I guess. Because yes. you do see churches just all over the place, you know, all kinds of different ones and so forth. So, um, it sounds like though from just talking with you that you haven't like looked into it like in in depth and stuff like you haven't had like a whole lot of interest in it right mm-hmm. so is that kind of true um, it is true yes um churches seeing a church is not uncommon in russia either mm-hmm. um the the catholic cathedral or church in the city i'm from was remodeled into a planetarium. So um, the building remained, and there were other churches, and older people would go to church, you know, old, older ladies with their um, he- head coverings and um, their canes uh, would congregate and go to services. Even during the communist era? Correct, yeah. yes, yes. Um, but again, by young people, it was seen as something archaic, something that um, that is not the way of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, yes, it was it was a big cultural shock for me to see that so many people still uphold this style of life philosophy, um, 
thinking um, that I consider to be outdated. Okay. And, well, what about your life philosophy? What is that like? Life philosophy. I knew you were going to ask me. <laughs> um, I ask this question all the time of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. It changes. You know, it changes. On, on a Tuesday, it's one. On a Wednesday, is today Wednesday? It's <laughs> something else. Mm-hmm. Um, well, humans are humans. We're not perfect. We try to do our best. If we could do better, we would do better. And it's about us, it's about them, anybody, in any circumstance. Um, People are creative. Um, People are supportive of each other. We're social creatures. Um, So we feel good when people around us feel good, in general. and creativity, beauty in everyday things. Um, I I appreciate having those in my life. So so my life philosophy is about kindness, about beauty, um, and also and also having fun um, and not getting too too serious about myself and the whole project of living mm-hmm. okay <clears throat> excuse me um, what is your life philosophy well um, so there's um, to me it seems that um, let me turn this down to me it seems like um, so you know when I think about like what do I just know from just being a person, you know, kind of stripping away things I've been told and stuff like that. One of the things that seems just very um, real, as real as like the table here in front of me, is like that there's right and wrong. So um, one of my um, life philosophies or just thoughts about life is that just the reality of you know, right and wrong that seems to go deeper than um, what, um, you know, just what we, I don't know, it goes deeper than uh, subjective type of things to me. Um, So anyway, my life philosophy does come from a Christian perspective and um, it, it appeals to me. So I guess in a sense, I've kind of adopted a life of philosophy. It's not like something I've created, but it appeals to me. And it's something that does have, I think it does have, there's a reason for it, not like proof, but there's different things where you'd say, well, this is, you know, confirms it or backs it up or something like that, or at least gives some reasonable reasons. Um, But that life philosophy is that we're creatures. There's a creator, and we're creatures. And um, but the world is um, broken, fallen in some way. Um, though it's good and marvelous and amazing, and that's something you know we can observe and stuff. It's also um, fallen and something not right with it, and that's something we observe too, like the human. Uh, 
stories, story of war and oppression and, and stuff. And that, you know, just still continues, you know. And um, the Christian story is that the that there's a God who's um, not a part of the universe, so it's not like we can go anywhere in the universe and see God um, with our senses, like we can anything else in the universe, but um, but that He's re- He's redeeming um, and restoring um, His creation, and He's revealed Himself to us. So, in a sense, there's no way we could see or know him un- unless he somehow entered in to communicate to us or if he gave us some kind of a sense that he is there which um, there's a, an American philosopher named Alvin Plantinga and he talks about um, like it would be reasonable to consider that um, if there is a God that he would make his creatures, you know, with a sense of him, you know, so, um, anyway, so as far as philosophy, my, how I get my life philosophy from that, it's more of just about being who he created me to be, um, and living as a creative person who enjoys kindness and beauty and stuff like the things that you were mentioning because, and connectedness, that's all a part of being the creature that you know he made us to be um and um and then being a part of this redemptive work so um in this philosophy there's like those who are um rebellious um kind of rather self-focused and wanting to kind of be their own king go their own way so to speak or those who um, are uh, have a change of heart about that and are humble be- before him and um, there's um, and he's provided salvation for those who um, you know the words like repent have a change of heart to you know and um, and the salvation is through um, Jesus through whom he um uh, has communicated to us um, through a man, and and that's um, so. When I speak, uh, when I say it, I I'm kind of aware of just the strangeness of it. But um, the Christian story is that Jesus was a sacrifice, so he he died, um, but um, on you know crucifixion, and it but it was. Um, story is that it was a willing death and that was a sacrifice for sins and by that I can draw near to God as someone who has been justified and um, so um, and then the part of the Bible story is also that there was a resurrection and um, and that uh we're headed toward the kingdom of God in the sense of things being restored and that we all will give an account to him and um, that there's an age to come. Um, And that's kind of it in a nutshell, I guess. (laughs) What are your thoughts about that when you just hear it? Um, 
Well, so first thing, do you insist on God being a he? Um, no, I think that's the way that we uh, communicate. Because, like, if there's a God, there's no way, like, we can grasp him, you know. It? Or, But see, the thing, it is, it, it almost puts um, God below us because we are uh, personal and it sounds a little bit like, well, it could be a force, it could be um, something, you know, but like God may be, well, God is above us, but he's not going to be anything that we're not. So he's, so I think of God as a personal being. So, it, no, the Bible um, even uh, conveys God in like as a, a mother hen at one point. Um, or something along those lines. Um, uh, so, you know, through illustrative things. But, um, no, it's the way we speak as far as when we say he, God's not a man, to, um, uh, you know, he's not like, anyway. Right. So Does God have arms and legs? So I don't think so, because... Um, So um, I don't think of God as being something we can grasp. Um, or I, I don't think of him as like a geographical thing where you can go here or there. Now he's, um, he's communicated to us, and he's communicated to us through a person, the Bible says, and that's through a man, chosen one, Jesus. <laughs> um, and... Um, so, um, anyway, so in kind of in a, a way, um, does God have arms and legs? Well, in a sense, he was here among us in Jesus. So there's arms and legs there, but it's much more than, <laughs> much more than, than that. So I don't know. Well, to me, assigning gender to God in this sense is too limiting it's too it's too distinctly human in, in a sense that we want to be like our parents uh, um, and if I were to have a God <laughs> it would be it <laughs> to me that sounds like a bigger force and more mysterious less 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 defined and less less confined to our own psychology and biology right um, I see what you mean um, except that um, if God has said so, true things to us um, then it's going to be put in some way that we can grasp it and to, and that's not to say that we can grasp God in like some kind of entirety or something like that but rather that um, he can tell us particular things that are true <laughs> so it, you know in some way it has to get down into some kind of language or something that we can grasp or something like that, I guess. But anyway, I'm kind of 
rambling on. I'm not sure if I'm making much sense and so well, forth. But you are coming from a place of your culture. You you grew up with this image. You grew up with this language. Sure. And being a transplant myself, I always I, I'm more sensitive to to that aspect of life, looking at myself and realizing that my philosophy of life um, came from the place I'm from. And meeting people here, well, say your parents travel to another locale um, country and say they decided to live there and the culture was very different and they changed their mind and they started speaking a different language that would absolutely change who you are right now and what you believe or say I don't know let's not use you as an example but somebody who was born in one culture and then some tragic accident happened and somebody adopted them and again that family had a different set of rules beliefs than the family of origin we believe what we are told um in childhood, um, of course, people change their mind, but but it's more difficult than than to uphold the beliefs and and thoughts um, that we grew up with. Yeah, I think we are influenced a lot by um, the beliefs that we grow up with, um, and th- so I was, and I grew up in the Christian uh, faith. Now I was pretty rebellious about it um, throughout my uh, teenage years and so forth. And then I had a conversion experience when I was 18 where um, it, um, I, um, you know, just had like what seems to me like an experience with God. Um, And that changed my heart about it and so forth. Um, But yeah, the whole concept of what do I mean by God and so forth? Of course, it you know, sure it comes a lot from culture. I think, yeah, yeah. So, um, well, it, again, theoretically, thought experiment. If a person is somehow, um, oh, the Blue Lagoon, right? Um, those kids abandoned on an island mm-hmm. without any access to literature conversations. Uh, previous memories what what life philosophy would they grow up with or 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 faith or lack of thereof yeah did you see the movie Mm -hmm. i heard of it but i don't think i've seen it or i don't remember it in any way um so what what so what happened with what happens they just live in the wilderness and make sense in their primitive language from when they were, I don't know, five, six, seven years old. Okay. Make sense of the world in that, um, in that limited set of, um, of thoughts and constructs that, that they had available to them. So they didn't have any thoughts about God then? I don't think so. Okay. Well, um, it seems to be um, a part of well, it's definitely a part of like the common human experience throughout our history. Um, you had said earlier that you know it seemed like it was maybe something that could be um, outdated or replaced by science. 
I think that science, um, you know, is a super useful tool for just looking at the universe in objective ways. Um, and recording podcasts. Excuse me? And recording podcasts. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, but it's limited in the sense of, um, you know, it is limited. It's kind of like um, helping us to look at material things and so forth. But it, it doesn't um, maybe answer the why questions. It's helping um, us to look at emotional things a lot as well. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I think, sure, it's limited, um, but only in a sense that we, as beings, are limited. Right. We're not omnipotent. Um, right. So, yes, what we see and hear um, is a limiting factor. But I guess, like, the why, as far as, like, um, why are we here? So these things kind of are dealt more with philosophy and religion and so forth, I think, right? So for me, it's not much different um, from having a religious philosophy. So God created us, say. But why? <laughs> what is the purpose of, of all of this? Even if there is God, um, it doesn't take away the same question. What is the what is the purpose and meaning of life right um yeah so i think it would it would the in all would be god then and it would be just god's pleasure um you know if i think that you couldn't get beyond you know if that we're just here for because god desires it and it's just the overflow of who he is and what he what brings him pleasure I guess it's a display of who he is just like when we create something it's a display of who we are I guess so okay so there's so then it's not any less limiting than science <laughs> well um, so I guess in science it would be more of the universe itself would be taking the place of God so it's just the universe is just what the universe does, creates things, and and here we are. So is that kind of how you would yes, see it? Yes, there okay. is ebb and flow of energy in the universe. Okay. It's neither good nor bad. Um, yes. Okay, so neither good nor bad. Um, so what about, like, um, the real, like, vile things that could happen to a person or has happened and so forth mm -hmm. um, aren't these things good or bad in a personal sense of course they're good or bad uh, they're painful or pleasurable um, and of course there are extreme circumstances and horrible events but if you're not taking those extremes um, even you know when you're raising children you have to set a certain level of discipline. And kids will complain, they will be unhappy. Um, they're not allowed to eat ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And they're upset about it. But as, as parents, we know that for, for, for their nutrition and their well-being, we need to set up those rules. Or when we do exercise, it is physically painful a lot of the times. But again, with a concept in mind that it is, there is a, um, 
there is a concept delayed gratification. So right now, you're not feeling good, but later on, it will be better um, for you that you have done it. Um, so this concept is very important in my understanding of the world as well, um, and you know, uh, the good and the and the bad. Um, and yes, there are also there are people who are not necessarily kind, um, and there are world events that um, that are horrible um, for the lives of individuals. But if you zoom out and look at a scale of I don't know centuries, millennia, it's just the process of life. There is, there is. Again, ebb and flow. <laughs> I don't see much um, intention in it, except for that's that's how um, creatures develop. That's how evolution moves along. Well, well, the intention seems to be like gaining power. You know, so that seems to be the motivation of nations raging against nations, and and then there's with that it seems like it gets even darker than just the desire of, of power it seems because sometimes there's genocides that happen and um, and then on a smaller level more individual level you know there could be things like um, uh, just abuse you know of other people and, and stuff so um, I guess um so yeah, it's, it, it, there's an ebb and flow there, but um, isn't there some things that are objectively good and objectively bad, just like there's some things that are... So beauty is kind of along the same lines, like um, there's um, is a sunset objectively beautiful and, a, and sludge ugly, or um, is it just like all inside our head and just what we perceived it, how we perceive it, or if... If no one was here to observe it, would like a a little flower blooming in the desert still be beautiful <laughs> compared to like uh you know just garbage and sludge being ugly or something like that um do you have any thoughts <laughs> uh, yes, a lot I don't know which direction to go in with those because um, it's just too much so in terms of conflict it's a very biological. Uh, phenomenon like resource acquisition and competition. Um, a lot of animals, you know, animal behavior um, is based on that. It's it's the survival mechanism. The more resources you have, the longer you'll live. The more offspring you'll have, the um, the higher chances of of them living on will be. Um, again, not unique to human beings. Um, so it's, you're, it's so you're saying it's behavior. about survival of yes okay it's it's a it's again it's a but don't some things go beyond survival like you know child abuse um so there is um, there is physical health and there is emotional health we're we're complex creatures humans this cognitive life cognitive component um, of our being is a big deal and 
people and animals to mammals have, um, so to speak, mental conditions, um, illness, psychological illness. Um, sometimes it's related to a lot of, I mean, it's not distinct from physical um, because anything that's psychological is also physical in terms of body systems. Mm-hmm. So, yes, and our environments are very complex. Um, and it is sometimes it's just too much for us as animals, the way, the way I perceive it. And so people lose their um, emotional health and they do things that are maladaptive um, in, in the common sense. Um, but, but that's what happens. So that, that, that's to abuse and child abuse and, um, and other, other atrocities on the individual level. What about, do you have any thoughts about beauty? and Beauty? Um, well, yes, if there is nobody out there to see the flower. And by the way, flowers, again, in the biological sense, um, they're attracting not us, they're attracting bees <laughs> that will pollinate them. And bees see flowers in a very different uh, spectrum of light. They don't see them the way we see them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I was walking at the Krivkor Lake yesterday. There was a lot of sludge. And um, I can't say it was not fun or pleasurable to walk in sludge either. There is interesting sound. There are interesting sights. So I would describe it as, as beautiful as well. Mm-hmm. As well as the sunsets over uh, the Krivkor Lake. Right. <clears throat> but... Um, Yeah, I could see how you could see beauty in something, you know, that typically would not <clears throat> we would not look at as beautiful, but we're still kind of saying there's such a thing as beauty well, or that, ugliness. That, that actually know. is my life's philosophy, realizing beauty in unusual uh, things, places, circumstances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool, because I think there you can see beauty in a lot of unexpected places, so that's neat. But I get, but there's still this thing called beauty that we we seem to treat like it's an objective type of thing. So um, I guess um, that's a, to me that's a little bit of like not a proof, but like a, just a clue or a pointer or something like maybe there's something beyond just the material world. Um, these abstract things like like beauty, like there's something real to it. Um, anyway. Well, sure. Again, it's related to survival and procreation. We see younger people as more beautiful because potentially they're more healthy and um, more viable and our appreciation and, and ideals of beauty change as we age. Mm-hmm. And they change from culture to culture as well. So yes, it's, it's a social and bio, biosocial construct. Okay. All right. Well, where should we go from here? Any thoughts? No. Okay. Well, tell me about um, 
just your life and things like that? Like, what do you find satisfying in life and, and that type of thing? Well, I go to philosophy discussions. <laughs> okay, right. Like um, um, theology right. at the bottom works yes, and great um, conversations. Okay. Yes, those. Um, so that has been a very, um, very stimulating um, part 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 of my life. Um, listening to other people talk about concepts like we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about ideas and and the ways people present them um, that has been interesting um, I'm a chronic learner <laughs> I've been taking classes forever I just started um, a new class on nutrition hmm. yesterday mm-hmm. over Zoom and I also signed up for a poetry class this, this semester Oh wow! I'm also taking um, dance lessons and guitar lessons oh wow it's got a lot going on. Um, a lot going on, yes. Um, and, and that goes along the lines of beauty and having fun and learning um, about the world. So it, it's all very, um, very much within my life philosophy. So as far as like just satisfaction in life, it's these conversations and learning and just growing it that way. And dancing and playing music. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um what about yourself? Well, um, I enjoy um, connecting with people and more than enjoying it. I mean, it's kind of like something I force myself to do sometimes because um, I'm thankful afterwards that I did. And it seems to make my life feel more richer. Um, like um, theology at the bottom works. When I get there, I kind of think, you know, like, this is not my format. Why am I here? The topic's not even that interesting to me. I'm kind of, you know, there's a lot of topics that are just not that interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but then afterwards, you know, I, I'm kind of glad I was there. It's better to be in a crowd of people than um, home wondering what I should do, you know? <laughs> okay. Um, so I enjoy... Um, conversations and um, and then I do especially enjoy just kind of one-to-one conversations like this um, and then I enjoy working and just um, learning as well like I mentioned I'm working on computer coding so I think just to see for one to see oneself progressing in some way it's just, it's just a satisfying thing um, so um, or trying to build something like um some kind of a business or project or something like that. You know, so those things are satisfying. Um, with I'm, your hands, you mean? Uh, either with my hands or um, like a business type of thing. Okay. And then um, I enjoy fitness things, um, working out, going to the sauna, going for walks. Just feeling good in my body is satisfying. You know, uh, taking a coat. I take cold showers each morning when I get up. So... Um, it's kind of bracing and hard to do sometimes, but I feel it makes me feel good in general. Mm-hmm. So, those are things I enjoy. Okay, great. Um, I conclude that you're a perfectly human being. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, <clears throat> what about relationships for you? Um, do you um, is there anything you've learned throughout the years as far as like um, nurturing friendships? 
are you pretty satisfied with how that is for you or are you trying to um, move in some different direction concerning that or just you know what what are your thoughts about relationships mm-hmm. and so forth yes um, connecting with other people is a is a big deal for for human beings for myself mm-hmm. as well I have amazing friends it's been just phenomenal to um, to have to have these wonderful people in my life and I'm always learning from them um, being an introvert my natural tendencies kind of hide away and just um, just kind of be, be on my own um, and a couple of my friends are extroverted and, and very fun and um, outgoing and I'm always amazed at that energy and I've learned to um, to kind of mimic it sometimes um, and it's it's really fun um, and very enriching. Hmm. Yeah, just to mimic it and kind of experience it, huh? Well, I'll fake it till you make it. Right. <laughs> the, the common mm-hmm. concept. Well, I can see that. I think that sounds like a neat thing to try, and I can see some how you could get some enjoyment from that. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, one thing that's interesting, though, you know, you said like um, something about I'm a human being or perfect human being or something, mm-hmm. and you talked about yourself being human. So there's this I thing of human that's like an ideal of like some, it's almost like a Platonic or Plato type of thing. Like it's out, we got this ideal and like, are we measuring up and so forth? Um, so what's all that about? Like if if it's all just a materialistic type of world um, that doesn't have, then why would we have an idea of a human being? I mean, we could just be whatever we wanted to be and it wouldn't matter um, because it's, you know, you kind of understand what I'm saying? I understand. Um, I don't see it the same way though. Okay. There is not an ideal. There are forces of nature and laws of physics. And that's what makes us human. <laughs> um, it, it, to me, it's not an ideal that there is certain more human or less human. Um, there is a gamut. And, um, and then you decide for yourself. Well, in this, in this very limited time frame of my existence, what do I want to do? What do I want to spend this time on? Um, what's interesting to me? What's meaningful to me personally? And then, and then for myself, I decided what being a uh, human I, I want to be translates well, to. Then, um, then it wouldn't make sense to talk about being a good human then because it's just we're just individuals being who we are right that's what i said you're a perfectly human being not a perfect human being but perfectly human and uh all humans are perfectly human beings (laughs) okay um but it sounds like there's something alongside of what being a human is and in that sense you know like you're referring to um 
you know, making mistakes, growing, mm-hmm. not being, like people say, um, to err is human and so forth, you know. <laughs> so um, it almost sounds like there's an idea of being a human that's outside of what we are that we kind of compare it against and so forth. But mm, Well, back to the discussion we had a couple of weeks ago at the theology. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Right? What, what distinguishes humans from other animals or I forget what the topic exactly was but that that's that was my interpretation of it so to me we have a very strong developed cognitive ability component abstract thinking language written and spoken and um, we're also super social um, mm-hmm. So those are two defining characteristics for humans, um, as opposed to other mammals or other animals. Yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of like what we've become to be, that kind of gives us. A, you're saying that kind of gives us a, an idea of what a human is, and then um, when you talk about someone being a human, you're talking you're that person is like what we think of as humans because of what we have come to be but you're not you're saying that's what it is not like this idea uh, that's outside that we're comparing it to so I think I understand what you're saying Mm -hmm. what about um, books what has made a big impact on your life like um, any books or art or movies or anything that has really um shaped you or just made a big splash in your life yes of course um i might meander now i don't it's it's hard to recall on the spot what exactly yeah uh made you pivot in one or another direction of thinking um the beautiful mind i remember was one of those movies that Mm -hmm. made a very strong impact on me and um because um, so John Nash who had schizophrenia he lived in and, and the way movies is built um, beautifully that it's showing you a reality and then somewhere mid movie this reality goes up in smokes and um and you understand how fragile we all are. Uh, what if all I'm thinking, I'm seeing, is an illusion? So that, that, that's one of those concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, another one was Gattaca. Um, but it, it's the, uh, the science fiction movie. Um, and I don't remember exactly, because I've been steeping in those thoughts and and um, concepts since then I don't remember what was so revolutionary for me in that movie but I do remember it making a big impact on me um, Harold and Maud is another one that I really love and deeply appreciate and I had to rewatch it over the summer for a poetry class I was taking and um, I looked at it listened to the dialogue and realized oh my goodness I've I've not realized how much I've internalized some of these um, 
some of these, I don't know, quirks, thoughts, philosophies again. Um, books, let's see. I, I read a lot. I read a lot of science fiction. Ray Bradbury was, um, was very appreciated when I was a kid. And then Hemingway, a bunch of Russian writers. Um, I, I try to stay away from, from drama in works of fiction at this point. Um, I realized that it beca- becomes too overwhelming uh, sometimes like the the weight of the world on my shoulders um yes so tolstoy he's russian right uh-huh. yes. have you enjoyed him yes when i was in um, high school but then i also reread anna karenina while i was going through the divorce and i was appalled um i thought that he did not understand what's going on <laughs> <laughs> But it was also 1800s and um, different different social settings. Um, yes, uh, Tolstoy was influential. Dostoevsky was influential. Bulgakov, Nabokov. Nabokov is uh, Vladimir Nabokov. He's my... Um, um, I want to be Nabokov when I grow up. <laughs> he lived for 20 years in Russia, for 20 years in Europe, 20 years in the United States, and then 20 years in um, Switzerland, I believe. And he wrote in, in, so Russian was his native language, and then he also wrote and taught in German and French, I believe, and a lot of his works are written in English. Hmm. See, and I'm terrible at pronouncing almost anything, especially Russian names, but you mentioned Deskanovsky or... Dostoevsky. Yeah. And he wrote, um, like, Brothers... What's the name Uh, of it? Crime and Punishment, Brothers Karamazov. Um, Those are gloomy. Those are gloomy (laughs) (laughs) words. Very philosophical. The the theme of religion goes through through, um, a lot of his works. Did you... Have you read those? I read, yes. Um, It was actually an unfortunate friendship of me with with Dostoevsky. I was a teenager and I I was going through a depression, not unlike most teenagers experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I started reading Dostoevsky and it made things worse for me. Hmm. Oh, really? So so I still kind of... I know it's not his fault, but I, I resent Dostoevsky still a oh, little bit. Yeah. Oh, okay. I hear about him, so I, I tried reading the Brothers you know, book. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't get very far. I watched the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, th- I think I'd like to go back and read uh, the book. Find a shorter story okay. or a shorter novel. Um, again, they're difficult, and they're, I think they're confined to the time period. Okay. Um, as well, just just the setting, just reading um, about that setting, is, it, it 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 will put you in this gloomy, I don't know what else, mode of despair. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so be be careful with Dostoevsky. <laughs> okay. I read it on a sunny sunny Saturday morning, and <laughs> no more than an hour at a time. Um. You know, who mentions him quite a bit 
um, is um, Peterson, uh, Jordan Peterson. Do you mm-hmm. listen to Jordan Peterson? Some. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he mentions literature um, now and then. So Often, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like Jordan Peterson? To an extent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are your political viewpoints, having been in <clears throat> two different you know, political systems? Um, yeah, what's your overall thoughts about all of that? Well, let me turn it around. Uh, what is communism in your understanding? Um, okay, to me, it's like um, the government owning everything and then people kind of working for the government. So I don't think of it as economic freedom. And I tend to think of it as like um, putting some people in extremely high powerful positions. Um, And then I think of it as not working very well. Um, So, and then in contrast to that, I think a free market as people kind of like working for themselves, doing their own thing, and it tends to um, work better for everybody as a whole because um, people are very ambitious about like uh, getting ahead, building something that's going to benefit them, and then in order to benefit yourself, you normally have, because you're in trade, you normally have to benefit someone else. Um, So that's my... um, just real brief overall thoughts about um, con- communism as contrasted with free market. Right. Um, so I'm not knowledgeable enough to uh, talk about this stuff, I think. I, I can talk about my own perceptions. So growing up in Soviet Union, um, it was socialism, not communism. The, the concept of communism we were supposed to reach at some point in, okay. the, in the golden future and um, I, I grew up in a country that provisioned free health care and free education, free early childhood education, maternity leave, uh, support of, of newborns and the institution of childhood and motherhood. That was a big part of Russian Soviet culture, taking care of future mothers, taking care of um, newborn children, there are provisions for you know free food regardless of your income, um, child care from very early ages, uniformly set up throughout the entire country, um, either free or subsidized, um, very, very strong attention to uh, preventative medicine, not, not you know, not the disease uh, treating model of medicine, but the the prevention. So, exercise, healthy eating habits. That was part of the culture, uh, basically from before you were even born. Um, and there was a system set up to to monitor in in daycares. There were medical days where doctors would come in and would do you know, physical exams on the kids, hearing tests. Um, it wasn't... I mean, parents took kids to, to, to clinics as well, whatever. But the governmental system was set up to make sure kids grow up healthy and, and taken care of. 
um, education, schools, um, and most importantly, universities and colleges. So students did not pay for education, but the government paid them to go to school. Um, people were getting stipends. If you're all straight, like straight A student, you would get um, higher stipend per mm-hmm. month um, and and free living quarters, room you know room and board. Um, if you were a B student, your stipend was a little bit less, so you had that motivation to 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 be a better student. Um, and again, growing up, I knew the 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 strong social net where everybody's expected to work to the best of their you know ability potential. Um, but if something happens, something unfortunate happens to you or your um, or your family, you will not be you will not be falling past the dignity level. Um, like my mom passed away when I was a teenager, and um, I was receiving a um, well, my father, I was receiving uh, governmental support for the loss of uh, breadwinner in the family. And it was a standard practice uh, there. Um, a lot of the times when, when a child is born, they're also getting um, like a governmental um, money just kind of per month. Um, and there were... Um, uh, there were uh, there were called milk kitchens set up where each child would get or, or or would be entitled to receive certain amount of food, milk, um, yogurt products, cereal, you know, per week, and um, moms would go to that milk kitchen and, and receive those those um, those things for their kids, and then and then. When I came here, it was it was a big cultural shock for me to realize. So when our second child was born, I had to quit working. I was working at Dillard's at the time um, in cosmetics department, and we realized that we would not be able to afford daycare. Um, and it was actually cheaper for me to quit working and stay home with a kid than for me trying to work odd hours, weekends, and evenings. And trying to provision for the child care mm-hmm. um, absolutely made no sense to me, um, along with the lack of maternity leave or any any governmental support um, in that sense. So I'm, I'm still very disillusioned hmm. about all that, um, and I, I'm not sure I can get past that, and and then the education as well. Um, past that when we talk about government and politics um, I feel that society here is very segregated socioeconomically and those differences become compounded with each generation and, and it becomes more and more segregated so the wealth and power are accumulated within the top, I don't know what they say, 1% of, of the society. I don't see it as a healthy model of, of, of the society. And sure, I, I grew up in a different system, so I idealize it perhaps. Um, but that's what I have. 
Okay. Um, so it was a social socialism, but um, but there was still like money and trade involved. So I guess it wasn't like um, a totally. I mean, if you have money flowing back and forth, then you have some kind of a market type of stuff going on too. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's like a kind of a blended type of thing. Is that right? Yes. Well, the the big organizations were all governmental property. Um, people lived in apartments. Apartments were governmentally owned, but people could, uh, well, de facto inherit these apartments, and they could. Um, so if you live in one city and you live, say, with your parents, um, and you want to to split into separate households, you could exchange your one bigger apartment for two smaller apartments. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of, um, what is it called? Uh, not crowdsourcing, but, but in that kind of sense. Um, I don't remember if you could sell apartments under the socialist structure. I was too little to, to understand um, and to remember. But you were not necessarily stuck in one place. And you, you, there was some, some sense of property um, and, and people having their own um, apartments, houses. Okay. Mm. And yes, there was trade. People, people could... Um, I don't know, provide services to each other, repair cars, for example, right. as, as a hobby. And, and sell or, goods? Um, and sell goods, too, to some extent. Um, I remember there were markets where people would grow their uh, fruits, vegetables, and you could buy those. Okay. Um, yes. So you have to do something with your stipend, so there's got to be something out there to buy. <laughs> well, I mean, there are stores. They're all governmentally owned. It's um, Okay. Sub, sub, you know, so the goods belong to the government that you're and they make the money if you spend your money at the store then yeah. well goods belong to the government until you buy the goods and then they're yours and then okay. you I don't know if it's edible goods you eat them and they're nobody's well <laughs> they're yours in terms of energy and calories um, consumed and if you buy I don't know furniture it's your furniture it's not governmental furniture um, okay mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess um, we'll probably wrap up, but it's okay. been really good talking with yes. you. And we have a couple of friends there in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been lovely. <laughs> Hopefully that's not too distracting. Oh, I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> I think he was part of the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything else that you want to bring up or before we just wrap up? Um, well, thank you for reaching out. It's been an interesting experience. Um, I was curious to hear your thoughts okay. and uh, life philosophy. And uh, I guess we'll keep contemplating along. Okay. I appreciate the conversation, Ogo. Thank, thank you very much.